Victor. It bore the postmark Flagstaff, Arizona. She reread it with slow, pondering thoughtfulness. West Fork, March 25th. Dear Carly, it does seem my neglect in writing you is unpardonable. I used to be a pretty fair correspondent, but in that, as in other things, I have changed. One reason I have not answered sooner is because your letter was so sweet and loving that it made me feel an ungrateful and unappreciative wretch. Another is that this life I now lead does not induce writing. I am outdoors all day, and when I get back to this cabin at night, I am too tired for anything but bed. Your imperious questions I must answer, and that must, of course, is a third reason why I have delayed my reply. First, you ask, don't you love me any more as you used to? Frankly, I do not. I am sure my old love for you before I went to France was selfish, thoughtless, sentimental, and boyish. I am a man now, and my love for you is different. Let me assure you that it has been about all left to me of what is noble and beautiful. Whatever the changes in me for the worse, my love for you at least has grown better, finer, purer. And now for your second question— Are you coming home as soon as you are well again? Carly, I am well. I have delayed telling you this because I knew you would expect me to rush back east with the telling. But the fact is, Carly, I am not coming, just yet. I wish it were possible for me to make you understand. For a long time I seem to have been frozen within. You know when I came back from France I couldn't talk. It's almost as bad as that now. Yet, all that I was then seems to have changed again. It is only fair to tell you that, as I feel now, I hate the city. I hate people, and particularly I hate that dancing, drinking, lounging set you chase with. I don't want to come east until I am over that, you know. Suppose I never get over it? Well, Carly, you can free yourself from me by one word that I could never utter— I could never break our engagement. During the hell I went through in the war, my attachment to you saved me from moral ruin, if it did not from perfect honor and fidelity. This is another thing I despair of making you understand. And in the chaos I've wandered through since the war, my love for you was my only anchor. You never guessed, did you, that I lived on your letters until I got well— and now the fact that I might get along without them is no discredit to their charm or to you. It is all so hard to put in words, Carly. To lie down with death and get up with death was nothing. To face one's degradation was nothing. But to come home an incomprehensibly changed man, and to see my old life as strange as if it were the new life of another planet, to try and slip into the old groove— Well, no words of mine can tell you how utterly impossible it was. My old job was not open to me, even if I had been able to work. The government that I had fought for left me to starve or to die of my maladies like a dog for all it cared. I could not live on your money, Carly. My people are poor, as you know. So there was nothing for me to do but to borrow a little money for my friends and to come west." I'm glad I had the courage to come. 
What this West is, I'll never try to tell you, because, loving the luxury and excitement and glitter of the city as you do, you'd think I was crazy. Getting on here, in my condition, was as hard as trench life. But now, Carly, something has come to me out of the West. That, too, I am unable to put into words. Maybe I can give you an inkling of it. I'm strong enough to chop wood all day. No man or woman passes my cabin in a month, but I am never lonely. I love these vast red canyon walls towering above me, and the silence is so sweet. Think of the hellish din that filled my ears. Even now, sometimes, the brook here changes its babbling murmur to the roar of war. I never understood anything of the meaning of nature until I lived under these looming stone walls and whispering pines.